0: So I, uh, I have a memory that came to me this week, and I'm just going to share the story with you, okay? Is that fair? I was sitting here thinking about telling this story, and I realized what an absolute incredible opening line I'm about to tell you is. But it says, so I remember one night in middle school. Like, is that not the most open-ended opening line ever? I remember one night in middle school, and I woke up in the middle of the night. And I was just so thirsty. I was so thirsty. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and just your mouth is so dry and, like, and you feel so dramatic you're in, the, in your head? You're like, I don't even know if I can get out of bed. I'm so thirsty. Like I just, but I have to do something about this because there's no way I'm going to be able to fall back asleep. It was probably after I had some sports practice and I didn't drink enough water. And so then I woke up at 2 a.m. and I was just so, like, so thirsty. And for some reason, I don't know why, but for some reason, all I wanted was milk. That's all I wanted. Like, that was all I could think about was just a nice, cold, I got some weird looks there. All I could think about was just like a nice, cold glass of milk. It was like the only thing that could quench that thirst was milk. And so at that time, lucky for me, a staple in our fridge was none other than the classic skim milk. Right? Remember those days when we were convinced if we were going to have strong bones, we had to drink milk. And so all of us that grew up in that area drink So we had skim milk in the fridge and I knew that. So I stumbled out of bed and I was half asleep. And you know, you know your house so well that you can like almost walk through it at night with your eyes closed. You know where you're going. You don't hit any door frames. So I made it. I made it to the fridge and I opened the fridge up and it was like this blinding light, you know. And I knew about where the milk was. And so I think my eyes were closed and I reached in and I grabbed a jug, a jug of milk. Took the cap off And just threw it back Yeah, barbaric, I know I'm not proud of this moment But I just threw it back And I got like two or three huge gulps in And I realized it wasn't skim milk And I stopped drinking it And I looked at the carton And my eyes began to like come into focus And I realized that I had grabbed the buttermilk And uh <laughs> I don't know if you've taken 8 to 10 ounces of buttermilk like straight to the dome in the middle of the night, but I I don't recommend it. Uh, It's not the best, and it'll wake you straight up. I mean, nothing will wake you up quicker than two to three huge gulps of buttermilk when you're expecting that sweet, sweet skim milk. (laughs) It It was really gross, it was really gross. You'll be pleased to know that I did end up finding the skim milk. And I drank way more of it than I'm proud of. And then I went back to bed and tried to pretend like the whole thing didn't happen. And I don't think I've ever shared that story publicly, ever. I don't know if you can relate to chugging buttermilk at 2 a.m. in the middle of the night. But I know that you can relate to that kind of thirst. I know that you have you've felt that kind of thirst before in your life. That, that extreme thirst, that thirst that, that makes you feel like you would run through a brick wall just, just to get something to drink, right? I, I remember playing outside in the summertime growing up as a kid and feeling that, that kind of thirst, right? Riding my bike and running around with my friends and then just hitting a wall where I realized how dry my mouth was. And that I was going to have to go home. Like, I just, I couldn't do it. I, I got to go home because I got to get something to drink. That, that sticky, thirsty, dry feeling that, that your mouth gets in the summer. I, I remember trying to play football in middle school because I wanted to be a cool football player so bad. And I had to learn the hard way that most cool football players weigh more than 90 pounds soaking wet. But I remember those two days with the pads on. And just being so thirsty. And our coach had made this like homemade PVC pipe water horse that he called it. That he hooked the hose up to and then it sprayed water out from all angles. So that all of us could come and get a drink of water at the same time. Because we would just be so, so thirsty. Thirst is universal. I I really think it is. Just that, that feeling of thirst. I think almost every living creature knows that feeling. Even my dog knows what the word thirsty is. We have a golden retriever and like eight to ten tennis balls live in our backyard because ball is life for him And so i'll throw his balls some in in the summertime And when his tongue starts to hang out of his mouth, i'll ask him if he's thirsty, you know what his response is He goes and stands by the back door because he knows That when I ask that question, he's going to get to go inside and have a drink of water Thirst is just this universal thing that I feel like all of us can feel and, and relate with in a sense and even jesus experiences thirst on the cross this week we're continuing our series through lent where we're looking at the words and the phrases that jesus speaks from the cross as he's crucified which forces us to jump through all four gospels to find all of them but if you put them all together you find that jesus says seven phrases from the cross So we've been working through those this season of Lent. And Lent's almost over, y'all. I mean, this week is the last real week of Lent. And then next week we have Palm Sunday, which is still Lent, but it's a little bit of a different feel. And then the week after that is Easter. So we're almost there. But this week we have a phrase that Jesus speaks from the cross that's really different from anything we've read from the mouth of Jesus up to this point. So I I want us to read it together. It's pretty short, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Okay, so we're still in the Gospel of John, which is where we were last week. So we're in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verses 28 to 29. Now I just want you to hear this. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fulfill the Scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. So this passage is right after the one that we looked at last week where Jesus looks at his mother and his best friend and tells them to take care of one another. It's literally the next verse. Right after this is where we find Jesus saying that he is thirsty and it's it's not really what i want to focus on this morning but i feel like you need to to know what that meant in the parentheses in order to fulfill the scripture because it is it is really cool and it's referring to a couple of different things that i think is really important for us to just see about jesus even if that's not really where we're going to dive in this morning so it's referring to something in psalm 22 and psalm 69 That Jesus being thirsty and vocalizing it actually fulfills. So that's one way that it means in order to fulfill the scripture. And then it also has something to do with that hyssop branch that's used to give Jesus the sponge. So if you take your brain back to Genesis... And you remember the Exodus, when the Israelites are freed from slavery from Egypt and from Pharaoh. On the night before their escape, on the night before they made their way out of Egypt, God made the last of several, a great plague, fall upon that land. So that the Israelites would be able to escape the next day. And in order for the plague to pass over, to skip the houses of the Israelite people... God told them to kill a lamb and to take some of the blood with a hyssop branch and spread it on their doorposts and on their doorframe. And that would be the sign for the plague to not affect those households. So here's where it gets good, and I just just want you to see this. In the Gospel of John, what we just read from, Jesus is crucified on the day before the Passover festival when all of the Jews would remember that great Exodus and give thanks to God for their freedom So he's crucified the day before the actual festival Which is the day that all of the Passover lambs are slaughtered leading up to the festival so using a hyssop branch to take the sponge full of wine and raise it to the mouth of Jesus would have been an absolute billboard to any Jewish readers that this man, this son of God, is the new Passover lamb. Only this time, we're not finding freedom from captivity and from slavery in Egypt. We're finding freedom from sin and from death and experiencing new life in that way. Isn't that cool? i think that's really cool maybe it's just because i'm a bible nerd but i think that is so cool how that's broadcasted once you kind of put some of the pieces together so there's a whole sermon in that but it's not really where i felt led to take us for our full time together instead i I really felt drawn to that thirst that jesus feels Because in other places in the Gospels, we know that Jesus feels things like this, right? Like like we know that Jesus got hungry. We know that Jesus ate with people. We know that Jesus got tired because remember, he falls asleep on a boat when a storm is raging. And he also goes to hidden places and places by himself just, just to rest. We know that he got angry. Remember, he came in the temple and he was. We know that Jesus felt some of these things and so it makes sense right that here on the cross jesus is thirsty because when you think about it it's like of course he's thirsty of course he's thirsty he's been beaten and he's been flogged and he's lost a lot of blood and he's carried a cross up a giant hill mostly by himself and it's been difficult for him to breathe on the cross which I'm sure has led to his mouth getting very dry, that that sticky feeling that we were talking about earlier. I imagine Jesus in this moment feeling that intense thirst that all of us have felt at least partially in our lives. And I can't help but think it's significant that amidst all the pain that he's feeling and all the things that I'm sure are rushing through his head as he realizes that he's in some of his last moments, He's thirsty enough to ask for something to drink. I mean, oh my goodness, he must have been so, so thirsty. And really, I imagine him just being thirsty for whatever, water or wine, it doesn't matter, even the sour wine that they kept on hand for those who were being crucified to fulfill those last requests of something to drink. But as I read this part of Jesus' story this week, I just, I found myself wondering what else Jesus might be, might be thirsty for. Because if, if you spend some time and you, you look back at Jesus' life and his ministry, you begin to realize that Jesus is probably thirsty for a whole lot more than just, than just water here. And we've even seen some of these things through the words that Jesus has spoken to us on the cross thus far. But I think Jesus is also thirsting for, for justice. I think Jesus is probably thirsting for unity in the face of division. I think Jesus, if you look at his life, you see pretty clearly that he's thirsting for us to learn how to love one another and learn how to value one another and and live together in one community. I think Jesus is thirsting for peace in the midst of the great violence that he's experiencing. I think Jesus is thirsting for people to realize who he is and what he's come to do and why he's doing what he's doing. I think Jesus is thirsting for our world to be restored, for us as humans to be made whole, and for us to be able to be connected not only to one another, but also to God through him and through who he is and through what he's done. I think Jesus is probably thirsting for us to realize that we're forgiven, to realize the grace that he has to offer us and how that can radically change our lives when we run to it and we embrace it. I think Jesus is thirsting for inclusion. Look back at his life, at who he ate with, who he sat down with, who he touched, who he healed, who he ministered to. It's all the people that were cast out. And he found himself trying to bring them into the fold and make sure we see that they too are a part of his kingdom. I think Jesus' soul is thirsting for all of this. Sure, he feels physical thirst, but man, that thirst of the soul, I wonder if it's not even just a little bit stronger. Because I think that thirst of the soul that Jesus feels is really what led him to the cross. It's the thirst that led him to this moment that we experience with him as we read his last words. Because, Because I think he is willing to do anything for those things to be made true. For that thirst of his to be quenched he's, he's willing to do anything for us To make sure that we experience that peace And that hope and that forgiveness And that unity and that inclusion and that healing And the list goes on and on He's willing to do anything for us To make sure that we experience that Even face death On a cross And the more I thought about it The more I realized that Just like Jesus we too feel Physical thirst I think that's the easiest way to talk about being thirsty. But I think our souls are thirsty as well. I know my soul is thirsty as well. I mean, sure, we all have that moment in the middle of the night where we run to the fridge to grab whatever it is to drink because our mouths are just so dry. But man, if you're like me, your soul is really thirsty too. Because if you're like me, you're thirsty for rest, and you're thirsty for peace. And you're thirsty for fulfillment and for purpose and for comfort and for joy and for love. And you're thirsty to to really be able to embrace that forgiveness that you hear us talk about so much here, but you're just not sure how to incorporate it into your life. You're thirsty to really, truly and, and wholly experience that love of God that we know flows from God, but can be such a mystery to us sometimes. I don't think I have to convince you that we're a people of thirst. We are a people who experience physical thirst, but also find ourselves walking around in our lives with souls that are thirsty for so much more. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that this season that we're in, this season of Lent, is really a season of thirst. It's a season where we fast. It's a season where we intentionally cut things out of our life so that we may experience a heightened sense of of thirst and it's a season where we hope that because of that heightened sense of thirst we might realize anew what it is that can actually quench those thirsts what it is we should actually be running to when we find ourselves thirsty for purpose and for love and for hope because we see ads every day right things of our culture advertisements that that swarm us promising what Promising to quench those thirsts. Diet and exercise programs that promise happiness and fulfillment and, and purpose or junk food that promises to fill us up or cars that promise comfort and joy. And it's not that any of those things are bad or that they won't have a positive impact on your life in some way, but but they're not what actually quenches those thirsts of the soul, are they? Because there's only one thing that can. There's only one thing that can really quench that thirst. Of the soul. And we find it if if we just look a little bit further back in the Gospel of John. One of the thirsting people that that Jesus encounters during his ministry is a woman at a well, a Samaritan woman at a well. In John chapter 4, we find Jesus sitting at a well, and this Samaritan woman comes up with her bucket ready to draw some water out for her and her family. And they strike up a conversation, her and Jesus do. And, and she has no clue who she's actually speaking with. And Jesus, who is a Jew, asks her for a drink of water. And her response is, what are you, a Jew, doing asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water? Because at that time, those two were not supposed to interact because of the Jews' purity laws. But Jesus asked her for a drink of water anyway. And she says that, what do what you do? Why are you asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink of water for you, a Jew? And Jesus says back, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink. And I would have given you living water. And Jesus goes on to say that everyone who drinks out of this well, this, this physical well that the woman has come to draw water from, that they will be thirsty again. That it's, it's really just a cycle that never ends. You, you can't truly drink enough of this water to ever quench your thirst. But he says those who drink of the, of the living water, the water that I, Jesus, give to people, Jesus says, that they, they will never be thirsty again. And this woman's response is this. Sir, give me some of this water. That's what she says. Sir, give me some of this water so that I may never be thirsty again. And I feel like what the woman says here is what we're all thinking, right? I know it's what I think when I read that story. And when I think back to that encounter that Jesus has with the woman at the well, Jesus, where is this water? Where is this living water that you speak of? And what will you give me some of it? Because I'm I'm ready to not be thirsty anymore. My guess is that you are too. Where is it that we can find this living water? Because Jesus, we are tired of being thirsty. And the good news is this. The invitation to come and drink from that well of living water is already before us. If you were to keep going in John's Gospel and stop at chapter 7, you would find Jesus saying this. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let anyone who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. When we say yes to that invitation, when we actually go and drink from that well of living water, when we put our trust in Jesus, not only will this living water quench our thirst, not only will it quench the thirsts of our soul, not only will we never be thirsty again, it'll change us. Did you catch that at the end of that verse? It, it'll transform us so that others might find that living water through us. Hear what Jesus says again. Out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. Once we come and drink ourself I don't know about you but I think that's what I want for my life I really do I I think that's what I want for my life I don't just want to drink from that living water that's a big piece of it right because I don't ever want to be thirsty again so that's that's part of it surely but man I want it to flow from my life I want it to flow from my life so that others might taste and see what I have already tasted and seen. That the only way to quench the thirst of our soul is through the living water that only comes from Christ. I think that's my hope for us this season of Lent as, as we really narrow the days down to Easter. That as this season of fasting and the season of thirsting, as it begins to come to an end, that we would just reach for that living water. That we would hear Jesus' invitation, that we would know that no matter what it is that we are seeking, whatever it is we're thirsting for, whether it be rest or forgiveness or fulfillment or purpose, whatever it may be, that we would hear Jesus' invitation. And we would reach out for that living water and just drink deeply. Just drink as much as we could, as quick as we can, knowing that our thirsts will be quenched. And then after that, that our prayer would be really simple. We would just ask God to use us. That's it. That we'd be a people who say yes to the invitation, who drink from the well of living water, and then just plain and simple ask God to use us. That we would ask God to use us as a people of the living water. Knowing that we're not only called to come and take a drink, but also to go and live as changed people. As a people that point others to the hope and the renewal and the new life that we have found in Christ. Because maybe that's what Jesus is thirsting for after all. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey friends, I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for tuning into our message this week in the gathering. We hope you found it meaningful and life-giving. As always, you're invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. either in person here in the chapel or online. If you want to know more about who we are at Bluff Park United Methodist Church, you're invited to check out our website. There you'll find out who we are what we have going on, and how you can be a part of it. As always, friends, if there's anything that we can do for you, you're invited to reach out to us. We are here to help you and support you in any way that we can. We hope that you're having a great week, and we look forward to seeing you soon.